Lincoln Park. How are you guys doing? Man, you, I love this new space. I haven't been here for a few months, so this is new space, but I see familiar faces, and I see lots of new faces. So I am just so glad that you're here. Um, as John mentioned, I'm from our Naperville location, but I always think of myself as community. I feel like I have visited most of our locations. I've had the opportunity to teach there. I've even had uh, the opportunity to serve at our Lincoln Square location. So every location just feels like family to me, and thanks for that warm welcome whenever I got here. So as John mentioned, six days. Six days, guys. Have you got the perfect gift? Are you still lurking for, looking for the perfect gift? Who here thinks they're a pretty good gift giver? Raise your hand. Who here is like me, who's like, mm, not so good at a gift giving? <laughs> I thought I was good until about the third time my husband returned the gift that I got him for Christmas. <laughs> not so much. But you know who's a really good gift giver is my daughter. Um, whenever she was 14, I was a single mom at the time, and she saved her babysitting money. And you guys, she bought me a KitchenAid mixer. Yeah, you guys, yeah, if you, you guys know what that is. 14 at the age of, and I, I'm sure I mentioned at one time that I really wanted something like that, but I never told her I wanted it, and I definitely never expected her to buy me that gift. Um, but she is still a very good uh, gift giver. And so if you haven't got the perfect gift, I want to give you a little, um, I don't know, some little last-minute shopping ideas, okay? We kind of did some research, and we looked uh, to the National Retail Foundation to kind of find out what are the top gifts for this year. So the third uh, most wished-for gift this year is actually books and other media. We have about 39% of the people said they would prefer books or some media. Anybody here want a book or maybe a subscription to like an on-demand service or streaming service? Right? Whoever raised their hand if you're sitting next to them, thank you. You're welcome. Okay. The second most wished for gift is going to be clothing and accessories. Coming in at 52% of us would like clothing and accessories. Maybe the other 48% doesn't want another ugly sweater or something like that, right? Okay, but what do you think the number one most wished for gift is? Number one most wished for gift. Gift cards, exactly. Show me the money, right? Show me the money. Coming in at 59%. I, I, you guys, true story. I asked my son uh, yesterday. I was like, okay, it's Christmas morning. He's 15. I was like, you wake up in the morning, you come downstairs. What do you hope to see underneath the Christmas tree? And he says, as much money as you're willing to give me. <laughs> So he falls into that category of he just wants some cash. Um, and it can be hard to find the perfect gift, especially uh, today. But I want to talk to you about a gift that you could give every person that you know, and it would be exactly what they wanted. What would that gift be? It would be the gift of belonging. The gift of belonging. Researcher Brene Brown says that we are hardwired for belonging. It is in our DNA. And it's not just fitting in. It's being seen and being known. It, it's feeling accepted and valued for who we are as we are, even with our quirks and oddities. And so everybody feels this longing for connection, yet most of us do struggle to find it. And this struggle to find belonging has led experts to kind of call this a loneliness epidemic. And this epidemic didn't begin with COVID-19 in 2020. We actually had this epidemic beginning before that. In 2018, a study revealed that nearly, nearly half Americans 
sometimes or always felt alone. Half of us. That means most of us in this room, at one time or another, we have felt lonely. Perhaps maybe you feel lonely today. Even those of us who, whenever we get together with people, we still feel lonely because it's not about being around people. Even those who seem to have it all together and who have uh, achieved greatness and fame, they themselves also struggle with loneliness as well. For example, we have the director from the movie Avengers, and he says, loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. Oscar winner Anne Hathaway confessed, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. Even the famous scientist Albert Einstein wrote, it's strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. Makes me think of the more recent song, Lonely, by the wildly famous Justin Bieber. If you're familiar with that song, right? He, it's an autobiography of whenever he was 15, and he, and he has this lyric in there. It says, what if you had it all and nobody to call? I'm so, okay, I'm not going to sing that part. But you guys know what it is, right? You know, I feel lonely when I hear that song, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. And this problem with loneliness it is so pervasive. We even took it to space. Actually, back in 1970, NASA took two spacecraft, not just one, two, didn't want those spacecraft to be lonely out there, and we sent them on a mission to take photographs of the furthest reaches of our solar system. But however, they sent the spacecraft out equipped with what they called the golden recording, or the golden record, and it had sounds on it from Earth, and had the sounds of a heartbeat, a baby crying, a dog barking, and had this sound right here. That's the Cavatina movement from Opus 130 by Beethoven. And when asked why did they choose this piece of music, the creative director of the project said that because Beethoven had written kind of in the margins in German of this song, the word longing in this beautifully sad song really speaks to our, our longing for connection. And so today, these spacecraft, they're out there. They're out there reaching the farthest reaches of our solar system, and they're carrying this musical representation of our deepest human desire for connection and belonging. And during the holidays, I think this can be highlighted for us, this feeling of being lonely. Even in our crowded stores, uh, maybe even in the midst of a Christmas party, we know that our longing for connection, it's more than just being around these people. It's a need to be known and to know others. It's a need to love and be loved. And that's why Jesus came. At Christmas, we celebrate this wonder of God coming to live among us, the unseen God becoming seen. I mean, who could have dreamed of it, right? God coming to earth in human form. 
the Apostle Paul tries to kind of capture this uh, immensity of this wonder. Um, in Eugene Peterson's translation, these are John's words. And he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Jesus became God with us. God became seen, and the world was turned upside down. I believe with all my heart that Jesus came so that you and I could receive this gift of belonging. He came so each one of us could be seen and known and belong. And today I want to illustrate that to you. I want to illustrate that by sharing this story of how Jesus turned one lonely woman's world upside down. And the story is found in John chapter 4, which begins with Jesus deciding to take a road trip. Take a road trip from Jerusalem back to his hometown, Galilee. And on his journey, he becomes very tired. Um, and he becomes very tired probably because he's been walking 31 miles. But I also think that he's become tired because he's been traveling with 12 dudes, right? And I don't know how long it took him to walk 31 miles, but you have to wonder, somebody along the way said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why are we going? And probably asking him 10,000 questions along the way, right? And I wonder if Jesus wanted a little peace and quiet when he got there. Because whenever he arrived into the city, Sychar, he sends the guys in town. He's like, you, all of you go get some food. He just sends him away. But while he's there, he finds himself sitting down beside a well in the heat of the day. And while he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. And now this is an odd scene, and I think John is being very specific with these details, because it would have been odd for a woman to be alone, and it would be very odd for a woman to come at noon, the hottest part of the day. And so the fact that this woman is coming alone to draw water suggests that either she is being avoided by the people who are in town, or maybe she herself didn't want to be around anybody. So kind of put yourself in her shoes, that feeling of being ostracized, not just left out, but ostracized. Maybe even feeling like being from a small town where everybody knows your stuff. Anybody here from a small town? Anybody ever been to Dover, Oklahoma? Anybody? Chase doesn't, <laughs> doesn't count. Dover, Oklahoma. Awesome. I want to chat with you after, after service. My hometown, Dover, Oklahoma, population 500. You guys, I was visiting my mom. This has been a few years ago, but this really happened. There is a local newspaper called the Kingfisher Times. That's the big town. Little town, Dover, population 500. Big town, population 4,000. Just a little bit bigger. Kingfisher Times has a section called the Dover Doings. And I'm visiting my mom. She gets a phone call on the landline, uh, of all places, you know, the connected to the wall. And it's somebody from the newspaper wanting to know what happened. And she was like, well, we had a fish fry this weekend, and my daughter is in town from Chicago. And I'm like, what in the world? They put it in the newspaper <laughs> the next day. <laughs> what? Everybody knows what's happening, man. Everybody knows what's happening. That's what it feels like being from a small town. And I have to wonder if that's what this woman felt like. Everybody knows 
what's going on, surrounded by familiar faces, but yet alone and ostracized. But then she comes to get a drink, and she finds a man sitting by the well. And maybe you've heard this story before, um, but see, it's really important to understand how many cultural rules are really being broken by this story. And the woman finds herself shocked as well. We read directly from scripture where she says to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She's shocked. See, in those days, there was a lot of hostility between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. So there was tension. Also, they, they didn't associate with each other at all. Culturally, a man wouldn't even acknowledge a woman. So there's that. And then Jesus, if, if engaging with her, that's breaking all kinds of rules and is completely just culturally unacceptable. But as this conversation goes on, Jesus has some insight into this woman's life. And he asks her to go get her husband. And she replies, I have no husband. And Jesus says, I know. I know, you've had five. And the man you're with right now, he isn't even your husband. So he has insight into her. He sees her and he knows her. Now there are different views about this part of the scripture. There are many scholars who think that this, that this woman uh, her, has a scandalous history. And that the reason why she has so many um, husbands is because of this checkered past. But there are some scholars that believe that maybe she's been widowed five times. And maybe her isolation is because of her grief. But whatever the situation is, Jesus notices and he sees her and he knows her. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. And being seen and being known turns this woman's world upside down. Carl Rogers, he's a uh, well-known psychologist. And he uses this term prizing when he talks about meeting with somebody. And this idea of prizing somebody is to see them for, someone who, for who they really are and accepting them, quirks and all. If you're feeling alone this Christmas, know that the one we celebrate, the God who became flesh and blood, in the person of Jesus, he sees you today. The God who became seen sees you like no one else sees you. He prizes you, and he wants to turn your world upside down. So I want you to see what happens next in this story with the woman at the well. We read, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now think about this. The very people that she had been avoiding, she now seeks out, she runs towards them to share her story and says, Hey, I met a man who really knows me, who really sees me. He knows me. And maybe even more remarkable is that the people listen. The people listen to her. This is what the rest of the story says. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So the Samaritans came to him. They urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. 
And because of his words, many more became believers. And I picture this, that Jesus, he's spending two extra days there. And, and everybody, he, he is the talk of the town. Everybody wants to be near him. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. And you know what else is there? This woman. She's right there in the center of it. And the people tell her, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And the way this passage ends by reflecting on this, I think is really important for us to kind of hear this woman. Where just, um, just a few moments ago, she had been ostracized. Shame, alone, social outcast, carrying the baggage of her past, avoiding people coming in the heat of the day to the well, and then she becomes the very first person to carry this good news back to her village about the Messiah. And when they come to see Jesus for themselves, the people join her in declaring that he is the savior of the world. Her encounter with Jesus not only transforms her relationship with God, but it transforms her relationship with the community. Her world is turned upside down. No more isolation. No more lonely trips to the well. And because of Jesus, the one who was once outcast now receives that gift of belonging. She receives that gift, belonging to God and belonging to the community. And Jesus, he offered this gift of belonging to the woman that he met at the well. But Jesus offers that same gift of belonging to us today. He made a way for us God sees us. God prizes us. He's our loving Father. We are brothers and sisters. We belong eternity with him in this kingdom community. And many of us, we've been living our lives kind of solo, disconnected from each other, disconnected from God. And perhaps it seems like loneliness, you could just never shake it. You feel misunderstood, maybe, unheard. Maybe like the Voyager spacecraft that you're just kind of traveling in space, carrying this message of longing and hope and connection with never really finding it. But that doesn't have to be your story. Jesus' gift of belonging, this gift of being seen and known and prized, this gift of belonging is for you. It's for you, and it's not a gift you have to earn. It's a gift that you get to receive. When you accept this gift, you become part of a community, a part of a community like others that are learning to follow Jesus, a community made up of people who are being transformed by the love and hope that he came to bring. People who are learning what it means to be seen and to be known and to find true connection. A community, uh, it's important that we get to experience this through our small groups. Uh, small groups are a place where people from all walks of life come together and find a, a community of belonging and, and a chance to grow deeper uh, in their faith and deeper in relationships with one another. Uh, I want to share this story with you. It's a friend of mine named Kim, and I want you to listen to her story about belonging. 
My name is Kim, and I've been attending community for a little over a year. I had moved into the area six months prior to the pandemic, and I hadn't really found a church home. And how do you find a church home during a pandemic? Everything was still very much online. There was no in-person anything. And so I, was, I started just watching services online. Then the church says, hey, we're opening up. I said, put me wherever you need me. So then Usher is where I was, and I enjoyed it. And the next Sunday, Tim and I meet. And so I was like, so tell me about small groups and everything. He said, well, you can join my small group. I was like, really? It was so wonderful because we're all around the same age. And even though this group of people, for the most part, have known each other, it seems like forever, I didn't feel like I was new. This time last year, I had COVID. When I had COVID, I had these debilitating headaches. It had some very uh, traumatic lasting effects that um, happened over time. There was a period of time where I could not even really talk at all. The pain was so bad, I couldn't communicate. I couldn't get the words out of my head. It messed with my cognitive abilities, impacted my ability to work, my ability to think. I can't really drive distances. I'm sad. I'm sad, if I'm honest. But. So during this time, I couldn't um, care for myself in a lot of ways. And so small group, like going to the doctor, getting food, just being there, doing all of those things. I moved out here away from everybody. And without my small group, I would have been on my own. But I wasn't. I've been homesick since June. So that means that in that short period of time, I somehow got family. I feel like I belong. I got people, I got people, like friends <laughs> at community, my small group, my friends on the ushers and different people who call me. When I was in need, and I have been in need, community has shown up for me. And I just got here. Because of community and small group, I had a family, and I didn't have to go through this alone. I love Kim's story. I got people, you got people? I got people. I love her story because it gives us a glimpse of really how life is meant to be. We're going to have struggles, but man, we are intended to belong and be in a group of people to, to get us through anything. I love my small group. I love my small group. Uh, it's a place where I'm seen, where I belong, where I'm known, where I can wrestle with some of the things that are going through in my life, whether it be family, friends, faith, and like the woman at the well, there's something significant that happens when we kind of share this gift of belonging with others. And at Christmas, I know it's awesome to receive great gifts, but you know it's better to give than it is to receive. 
And, and this woman at the well, she received a, a, a gift that she had no idea, but she didn't keep it to herself. She didn't keep it to herself. She received the greatest gift, and, and she went and told other people. The gift of belonging. It's not just for you. It's for everyone. It's for everyone, and it's for us to give that away at Christmas time. Who in your life needs the gift of belonging? A neighbor who might be spending time alone? A coworker who's spending the holidays alone? What about somebody who has a, a different family of origin or life experience than you? Or perhaps a family member you haven't spoken to since the 2020 elections? Who needs to experience the gift of belonging in your life. And it could be as simple as a text that you send to somebody, a note saying hello, an invitation to dinner, listening to somebody's story. Together we can offer this gift of belonging to a lonely world and help more and more people find their way back to God. Remember the Samaritan woman said, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I did. And when the people in the village heard this, their lives were changed forever. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because what you said, but we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. At Christmas time, we have the opportunity to invite people to come and see. Come and see the savior. You can invite them to an in-person service that we have on the 23rd here. They can experience it in a three-seat community. You can experience it online. But we have the opportunity to introduce people to the Savior of the world, the God who sees, the God who knows, the God who prizes them. There's someone in your life that needs this gift of belonging. Will you invite them? Will you invite them to come and see? This Christmas, may the lonely find belonging. And may Jesus turn your world, and may Jesus turn their world upside down. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father God, I just thank you so much that you are the invisible God who became seen. You entered this world as a baby, as a baby to be seen inviting us into that same vulnerability to be seen and to be known and the risk of that the, the the risk of being accepted the risk of being rejected the risk of being loved but i thank you for that and we get to celebrate that the very wonderful moment of you entering this earth may we each receive that gift that you offer us it's freely given, not earned, freely given. The gift of belonging. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.